0: Welcome to Full Court Press, and I'm Liam Griffin. Guys, we were playing cards on Saturday night. Unfortunately, one of the guys we played with tested positive, And now we're all quarantined at a hotel. Tell me what your experiences have been like.
1: I'll start. It hasn't been that bad. I, I, I've gotten to the point where I've run out of stuff to do. I did take three showers yesterday just because I was bored. Uh, but you know what? There's enough movies that I haven't seen that I, I think we've occupied the time just
2: good enough. Yeah, it's been a, been a little boring, you know, sports timing over, but uh, looking forward to getting out. Looking forward to getting back.
0: Back yeah. to the basics. Yeah, the Louisville game getting canceled on Wednesday night was a killer. Let me just say that. I mean, obviously, not much we can do, and you got to make the most of it. And part of making the most of it is recording this podcast with you, my friends. All right, boys and girls, the men I'm recording with are either a few rooms down the hall or a few floors up, but due to COVID 19, we're over Zoom. Mr. Anthony Allant and Mr. Riley Wall. <laughs> And on today's episode, Fernando Tatis, Anthony's favorite shortstop, cashes in, the MLB comes out with their top 100, and we check on some teams on the bubble. But we begin today with some big news from Thursday. Thursday. The Eagles are going with Dalen Hurts as they ship Carson Wentz to Indianapolis for a 2021 third-rounder and a conditional 2022 second-rounder. Oh my goodness. Fellas, less than two years ago, the Eagles gave Wentz a four-year, $128 million extension. That extension hasn't kicked in yet. So what are you guys thoughts on the trade?
1: All right. I want to hit you guys with a stat first. Only two of the top 10 picks from the 2016 draft are still with their original team. Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott, who's probably going to be gone in the next couple of years. I think the Eagles got fleeced on this, but also I don't think Carson Wentz is that good anymore. So I've been trying to juxtapose the two positions that I have because I mean, the Eagles originally way overpaid for that second overall pick from the Browns. And then they got, what, a second, a third-rounder and a potential first-rounder if he's good enough. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, this has the makings of a heist, and I think Riley froze. So uh, we're just going to keep on going here.
2: Oh, there we go. Back. There you go. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, us. you're good.
0: You're good. So, right. yeah, so this has the makings of a heist. It does, because what's not being talked about here is not who's in Philly anymore, i.e. Uh, Doug Peterson gone, Jalen Hurts the starting quarterback. It's who's in Indianapolis. And his name is Frank Reich. When he was the Eagles offensive coordinator, Wentz was an MVP candidate. Who's to say it won't happen again? No, no, no. I'm not saying that he's going to be an MVP quarterback. He do- You could argue he has a better offense there than he did in Philly. Who knows? I don't know what the heck is going on down there. But... I feel like this is a very low-risk Kyra Moore move for the Colts. Because they know what they're getting. They know what they're getting if he's not good, right? But he has the potential to be elite.
2: I like what Tony brought up, that 2016 draft. Interesting look back. All the quarterbacks taken, except for Dak Prescott, have been benched or traded. So it's just interesting how that draft worked out. And We thought Wentz and Golf for the future. Um, I actually like a good move out of Colts. Third-round pick. Why not? Person wins, like you said, Frank Wright could take him. He's got a chance to be great or be a bust, and they have other options. They're kind of in a bit of a rebuild, but also see where they can go. So, good move overall. I like it. I have to throw a question to you guys
1: really quick. Fire away. Do you away. think the, that, the, that Indy is suddenly monumentally better than they were last year?
0: Absolutely okay. not.
1: Because if you go on Twitter, certain sects of the Twitter community were like, yeah, Indy, like, plus whatever their odds were to win the Super Bowl, they're going to – how much better has Carson Wentz been than Phillip Rivers was that last year? Phillip Rivers
0: was better than Carson Wentz last year.
1: Exactly. Wentz I, hasn't been good since 2017.
2: You're replacing Phillip Rivers, who you're replacing a leader, of a seasoned veteran, with a guy who's had a chance to be a boom or a bust. So I think there actually is a decrease, but they have the potential. So to say they're contenders way too early. I don't mind
1: Indy trading for him because, like you said, the other options were drafting and just hoping to God that somebody works out. They don't have that high of a pick, but you lost Anthony Costanzo uh, to retirement. So now you have a hole in the offensive line that you're gonna need to plug. I just don't see Indy being like a perennial contender in the AFC.
0: I don't think any of us do.
1: Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad we're all on the same page with that. It's funny how things change within a year and a half. I mean, speaking of change, if there was any doubt that Fernando, Tatis's, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s future In San Diego, there isn't any now, which frankly, I'm glad I got the jersey when I did. The young shortstop signed a 14 year, $340 million extension on Thursday. And that deal only trails Mookie Betts and Mike Trouts for the largest all time in terms of monetary value. The kid has played only
2: 143 games at the big league level. Boys, what do you think of the deal? All right, so I'll start with a few stats. This unnamed player threw 143 games 43 home runs in 175 games, his first two seasons, 191 hits, 113 runs, 132 RBIs, and 53 home runs. Tatis, 111 home runs, 168 hits, 98 RBIs, and 39 home runs. And to that unnamed player, get the same deal as Tatis. I'll spare you the thought. His name is Gary Sanchez. Right now, oh, Gary Lord. Sanchez deserves the same deal as Tatis. The Padres knew Tatis wasn't going anywhere. He was not up for, they did not need to sign that big of a deal yet. He was staying there. He was getting endorsements. Mike Trout didn't sign his deal. It took him seven seasons to get that deal. I think Tatis has not proven himself yet. The Padres spent way too much money, and they jumped the gun a little bit. I will, I'm not going to argue Tatis is, is not bad, is a good player. He is a generational player, but they jumped the gun too soon. The Yankees have done with Gary Sanchez. they be sitting there right now trying to trade him for literally anything.
0: Riley, I can't help but agree with you. I mean... At this point in his career, he's 143 games in. And Anthony, I see your reaction. He's 143 games in. It's just, it's too risky to be giving him that large of a contract at this point in time. I mean, he hasn't even played the equivalent of a full big league season yet. And you're already dishing out 14 years? More years than than what's ever been given to an MLB player? That's so risky. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yes, he's unbelievably talented. Yes. He sparked Slam Diego last year. But it's it's very, very, very risky. It just is. Guys,
1: guys Fernando Tatis is the future of baseball. He's the face of baseball right now.
0: Oh, whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa. I'm sorry. He's everything right now that Mike Trout is not, and he's a great freaking player. I'm, they sorry. I'm sorry, did if you just wait five years? He's gonna end up getting half a billion dollars. The Padres just saved a hundred
2: billion dollars at the very least signing this guy. When Gary Sanchez entered the league, I thought the Yankees were set. I thought they found their next catcher for the years, and he was he lit the league up. He's the fastest player to hit. 100 home runs. So 355 games. If you sign that deal right now, he is worth nothing right now. He has to prove himself. How can he to play a full season before he gets a
1: deal like this? This is ridiculous. You want to know? Okay, according to Baseball Reference, you want to know what his projected stat line next year is? His projected slash line: 291, 371, 570, 547. That's a that's a career. That's an insane player. Okay. Yes. I yes. Get that he's only yes. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on.
0: The key word there,
1: my friend. Is
0: projections Projected.
1: okay okay fine you want to go with project that's all baseball contracts are okay max max scherzer got paid however much money bryce harper got paid however much money manning like i can name all these stuff off in baseball well in sports in general you get paid based off what you did in the past yes I'm but sorry, 143
0: folks. games is not enough to determine how good you're going to be down the line i mean he hasn't even played a full big league season tony he got called up late in 19 then obviously the pandemic happened in 20.
2: We're not obviously, saying he's not proven. He's good. We, he's the future. But this is too soon, too risky. Padres need to save more money. And so they have, they have Tatis. Like, they're not, we don't know if they're there yet. They might not be ready. They might need that money to build a little bit more. And they're, they're getting closer, but they're not there yet.
0: Yeah, they, they've committed, I think, over $800 million to their infield with Machado, Tatis. I'm blanking on who their second baseman is, and Hosmer.
1: I this I, Listen, I, I respectfully disagree. I understand <laughs> why. But I think last year we also saw the White Sox pay $80 million to a guy that had never played in the big leagues before. And when Eloy Jimenez ends up being an a- AL MVP contender, it's going to be highway robbery, okay? I'm a fan of the Cleveland baseball team. We <laughs> locked their mantra through the 90s was locking up players early to – contracts that looked big at the time but four years down the line looked like I, I keep using highway robbery but they were underpaid fernando tatis is going to end up being underpaid with this contract
0: yeah man um, hold, on, hold on hold on you said the cleveland baseball team did that in the 90s this is 20, now this is now. Tw- this is 2021.
2: they do it now okay there you go one. in in 2013 guys are about josh hamilton five years 125 million 125 million at the time, that was a big long term contract. We weren't seeing one in like five years. Injuries never lived up to it waste money the Angels. That so, hey, hold on,
0: hold on. Before we move on, that is do you think that's the biggest Sports Illustrated cover curse of all time?
1: No, twenty seventeen, Corey Kluber face of the Cleveland baseball team <laughs> on Sports Illustrated and they just tanked. It was bad. No I think they did that with the in the eighties with the uh
2: with the tribe too, so uh, well, regardless, 3 to 40 million. Sheesh. Over the past two weeks, MLB's been releasing their top 100 players entering 2021. No surprises we see Trout and Bats to at the top, but a few interesting observations on the list. I'll get in mind in a minute. Guys, what do, you, what do you think about it?
0: Well, when the list was coming out, I'm thinking I should have these buffoons' jobs, because it is one of the worst things I have ever seen. I mean, this is ridiculous. Let's start towards the top. If you are trying to tell me that a man who hit barely above 200 in 2020 is being given the benefit of the doubt while J.D. Martinez is not, then that's just that's just BS. Gleyber Torres is also being given the benefit of the doubt. It oh. bo- it bo- he was terrible last year. You cannot deny that. It boggles my mind that Christian Yelich is number nine after the laying of an egg he had last year while J.D. Martinez is number 98. Let's move on. Trevor Bauer, the reigning NL Cy Young winner, is number 29. He's behind Tim Anderson. It pains me to say it. He's also behind Xander Bogarts. He's behind Aaron Judge. He's behind George Springer. Alex Bregman.
1: Aroldis Chapman.
0: He's the, oh, my God. Yeah, he is behind. No, that's Matt Chapman. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bad. I forgot there were two Chapmans, even though I don't think oldest made the list. Haha. And then, Jose Abreu, the reigning AL MVP, Number 31. No, just just no. Then Blake Snell, the pitcher everyone was crucifying Kevin Cash for not taking out. He's behind Quinta Maeda. He's behind Lance Lynn, Dinelson LeMet, Jack Flaherty, to put some hitters in perspective. Dominic Smith, who I didn't even know was good until this year. Jose Altuve, Correa. I mean, this is just terrible. And Mikey Strepsky as well. Love him because he's Yaz's grandson, but he's number 51. Will Smith is number 50. This is just I, off. This, is, this list is just off on so many levels.
1: I thought the ground was a little high. That was, like, my biggest takeaway. No? I don't think so. I agree with no. you, Anthony. I just – number three, I mean, my goodness. I Listen, all right, I know I just defended Tatis in the last segment, but I also think Tatis is a little high for number six. And then, um, yeah, I don't – I mean – Listen. All you have to do is just figure out the, the names. Like, okay, Trout, Betts, perfect. After that, like, it's it's all up for debate. And and Liam, anybody could have this job.
2: So I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I I like Anthony's take. Degrom at three is a little high. And also, some of these players, if you look back at their stats in twenty uh in twenty twenty. I know the season was different. I think we're this top ten. We're living in twenty nineteen still. I mean, Juan Soto. Yes, he had a good season, but 2019, you're living there. Tati, same thing. Acuna. Um, Anthony Rendon, same thing with the Nationals. I don't really know how – a lot of that's still early. Anthony Rendon I...
0: plays for the Angels now.
2: Exactly. O- overall, the list, I think, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of more name than what they really do the stats. Um, they should look more into the war, but I-, I do agree. You guys brought off good points with DeGrom and Tim Anderson at 27. Were my big takes. I mean, Lindor, like, I'm – like passionately in love with Lindor, but I think
1: he's a little high for 15. I mean, if we're strictly going off of last year, he had a down season. He didn't get it going until, you know, halfway through a 60-game sprint. So, I, Riley, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's it's just, hey, let's throw out the big names and, and people will just kind of agree and let it go under the under the rug. But here on the Full core Press podcast, we do not let it go under the rug.
0: Uh, yeah, and if we're giving, like, players who were out last year like the benefit of the doubt I mean Trey Mancini is number 99 he sat out all of last season unless I'm mistaken
1: pretty sure he had cancer but yeah yeah he did
0: where's Chris Sale
1: oh where's Chris Sale
0: exactly (laughs) Riley the man who literally essentially slammed the door on your season in 2018 I'm sorry what you're on mute I'm muted you're not now
2: no, I I, I, I don't I don't like talking about 2018.
0: 16 2017, to
2: 1, however. 16 to 1, 16 to 1. I do remember 2017 though.
0: 2017, we would have beaten you guys if the Astros hadn't cheated us.
2: But uh, I mean, getting back to the list, one thing um, that AL MVPs, like in the bag time, like, I, and the one accolades didn't get enough love. I'm looking at LeMahieu, the best hitter in baseball right now, you can argue. And then even Jose Abreu. Like, they're not getting enough love for what they did last season. It's just a little bogus with um, people's real stats. I think a lot of of names carry the weight. Uh, Well,
0: the good news is for these players is that they can change up Phyllis in an instant, and I seriously hope they do. Bad news, however, for Anthony Davis, his cap stream is worse than initially thought. The Lakers could be without their big man for the next month at least. And with things super tight out west with both the Jazz and Clippers, this could be big, fellas. So tell me, just how big of a loss is it?
1: I think it's huge. Only if they slip past the Trailblazers. I mean, that top four is super, super close. If the Lakers can kind of just keep on keeping on and maintain that two, three seed, that's fine okay I mean everyone knows the NBA regular season is irrelevant you just get in and if you're a top seed especially with the best player in the world right now then you move on right if they start to slip past down to the four seed and God forbid past the Suns I don't think I don't think that'll happen but you know if they do that then you start to panic Anthony Davis is obviously an incredible player and he's going to be a huge loss who's the backup who's the backup center for them right now Gasol Okay, so if you can run with Gas- Gasol, like I mean, maybe. But I think right, it's obviously a huge loss. But if they can stay where they are in the standings, doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, I agree. I watched uh, the other night. I had the Lakers Nets game on the back. And I was just kind of watching. Granted, the Nets had KD out, but the Lakers were missing Anthony Davis, and they didn't look like the Lakers. They looked lost. LeBron didn't really find a stride. Also, then was out too. I get that, but they didn't. They were not the same team, obviously, and they won't be. So they need, like you said, they just need to kind of maintain a little 500, like stay even, don't, don't start losing more games than you win. just kind of ride out until Anthony Davis gets back and they'll be fine. If they are lost and they start losing more games than they're winning, then it's going to be a tough look and they're going to let them make up some ground. But for now, LeBron just need to take on his team and just carry them through.
0: So my concern last year going into the playoffs for the Lakers was what's going to happen when one of LeBron or AD is off the court together? Because... In the regular season, when one of them was off the court, they were terrible. They were terrible. And they got the guy, they're, they got Rondo to step up in the playoffs like I predicted he would. Because playoff Rondo, as much as I hate the guy, I mean, Rondo's gone now. He is. So who's going to step up for them? Is it going to be Montresor? Is it going to be Dennis Schroeder? Is it going to be Marcus Saul? Is it going to be KCP? Is it going to be, dare I say it, Alex Caruso? <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's the key here, finding someone to step up because if the Lakers are in deep doo-doo because if they, they, if they can't find someone to step up the way Rondo did because top of the West, they, they're better this year. Utah is so much better. I think the Clippers got a little bit better. Ibaka fits their system better than Harrell did. They're in trouble.
1: So the next two games for the Lakers, they play the Heat tonight, and the Heat gave the Sixers a good run for their money last night. And then they play the, the Bulls Wizards played on The played the Sixers last night. I'm sorry? The
0: Bulls oh, the played Bulls. the Sixers last
1: night. COVID brain, I'm sorry. Uh, so they play the Heat tonight. They play the Wizards on Monday. The bellwether is Wednesday, next Wednesday when they play at the Jazz. But if the La- if you start to see these Lakers start you know, playing close games with these teams that they should really put away easily, and especially if they're getting dominated down low in the boards, then you start to panic. Yeah, so-
0: especially against a team like Utah, where they have arguably the best center in the league and Rudy Gobert. Okay, maybe yeah. that was a bit of a stretch, but... <laughs> Definitely top three. Best, best, best defensive center. There you go.
1: Fair enough. It'll be interesting to see which one of the Lakers' acquisitions steps up, as you mentioned. Maybe it'll be Caruso. Uh, the NBA All Starters All Star starters were announced on Thursday night. In the West: LeBron is captain alongside Kawhi, the Joker, Nikola Djokovic, Luka Doncic, and Steve Curry. Steph Curry. And he's the captain is KD with Kyrie, Bradley Beal, Giannis, and Joel Embiid with him. Guys,
2: I'd assume no problems with the choices. Nope. Oh, love it. Got, uh Bradley Beal finally got a chance to get a spot he deserved. Um, Curry, should have been captain. Just, oh, good lord. Just saying, I, I love Curry this season, I think. But good for LeBron, keeping up. 17 straight years and crazy like that. All-star games, that's ridiculous. Uh, as about so, I had, as love
0: to, you know I've got a bit of a hometown bias against Kyrie. I can't stand the guy but i see no problems with the list
1: i think the only uh, you can make an argument for damian Lillard being a starter but i mean other really? than that you know as boy look at me coming in with the basketball knowledge yeah no i think i think dane's had a good season so far this year and that's putting it lightly but uh i mean yeah he'll he'll be he'll be on the team and, you know whatever I don't really care as long as Colin Sexton doesn't make the team. If Colin Sexton doesn't make the All-Star game, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) You know, the Cavs have literally lost, like, they're like 1-10 in or something. Well, considering,
0: uh, okay, let's think about it. So, you've got Brown and Tatum, right? Zach Levine, Julius Randle. Those are my four locks. I see an opening for him.
2: Okay, good.
1: Perfect. I mean, he's been fantastic. I haven't watched the full game in quite a while because they're, a really frustrating team to watch right now, but, you know. So, yeah, no no, no qualms
0: here. Oh, boys, it wouldn't be easy to find a group more talented than these 10. Do you know what is easy? Podcasting with Anchor. All right, time for some bubble watch. We're going to talk about four bubble teams and then discuss whether they're in or out of the Big dance in March. We'll start with the Drake Bulldogs. Last week, Mike and I said they were in trouble. However, their win against Loyola Chicago on Sunday proved a big one. Joel and Artie currently has them as one of their last four buys. Boys, Drake in
1: or out? So Loyola Chicago is in, and that's kind of their only competition in that conference. If it comes down to Drake and Loyola in a conference game, be it a champion, in the conference tourney, be it the championship or beforehand, and Drake loses a close one, I think they're fine. I think they have the the, the playing game locked up at the 11th seed. Um, You know, I mean, listen, they can't – Drake's competition is a bunch of no-names. We know that. Like, I had to look up what, what was going on with Drake because, to me, Drake is a rapper, okay? If it comes down, like I said, to that game, then they're fine. If they if they lose one more, I think they're out.
2: What conference is Drake in again? Missouri like Valley. I think, oh, are, I think, wait, what did you say? Out Missouri
0: before? Valley Conference.
2: Okay, I, I think they're they're gonna win that conference pretty easily, and they're gonna get the automatic bid. they are the gonna beat
1: Loyola Chicago. Right,
2: yeah. Loyola's ranked right now, aren't they?
0: They were last weekend. The loss may have knocked them out, though.
2: Good uh-huh, take of the lost. day. Drake Drake Bulldogs win that conference. They
0: get the automatic bid. Ooh, Riley. I'm afraid I'm gonna need to call cap on this one. I don't. <laughs> if they're look, if they get in, it's going to be an at bid. I don't see them beating Loyal Chicago. Again, yeah. I mean, Loyal Chicago blew them out Saturday in their own building. And then the second game on Sunday, it took Drake overtime to beat them. And it, it, and if anything, if we've learned anything from the way sports are being played right now, it's that it is hard to beat a team twice in a row. It just is. And I think we saw that the other day. And I don't know where the Missouri Valley Conference tournament is being held this year, or if it's even being held. I, I certainly hope it is being held, but I don't see loyal Chicago losing to them again. So By the athlete, way, I don't believe they are ranked right now.
1: You're on Team Sister Jean. Oh yeah. And, and uh, in this Lenten season, Riley is against the Nun. Okay, I, I got that got that down for my notes. Uh, the most interesting, the most interesting case perhaps is the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They're 13 and nine in the Big Ten, the best conference in the country this year, but they haven't won a road game. If you, if, if they got in without a road win, they'd be the first team in NCAA history to play in the tournament
2: without a road win. So guys, do they get in? Um, No, I don't think they get in. I think uh, you look at their, what's the, least tier one or however they use that. Um, quad, quad one, yes, quad one. They have, a, they have a couple quad one wins, but I think the road kind of has a little asterisk on the resume, they're not in.
0: Alright, so let's look at Minnesota's upcoming schedule. They have to they host Illinois today. I think it's safe to say they're gonna get pounded. They host Northwestern Thursday night. And next Saturday, they go on the road to face maybe the worst team in the Big Ten in Nebraska. And they've got at Penn State, another one of the bad teams in the Big Ten. And then they've got Rutgers at home, who's been kinda of up and down. I think they need to go at least 3 2, including a win on the road. I don't think they're gonna beat Penn State on the road. Nebraska, I think they can beat on the road, but I don't think they're gonna be Penn State on the road. Because somehow Penn State is still on was on the bubble a few days ago. I don't think they are anymore. I just don't I don't see them getting in if they can't win on the road. Especially so especially against a team like Nebraska.
1: So yeah, so if their one road win of the season is against the worst team in the Big Ten, how much of a real resume booster is that? I mean, like Syracuse can go to Buffalo and beat them any day of the week, and it's not going to mean anything. I don't think Minnesota's in. I think especially if they play a Big Ten tournament, they're going to have an early exit, and, and they'll walk their happy selves to the NIT if it's played.
0: And yeah, I was about to bring that up, because the, I looked it up last night when I was talking to one of my friends playing 2K. The Big Ten tournament is set to take place in Indianapolis this year. That that, not only that, In my opinion, that gives the Indiana Hoosiers a big advantage, who I believe are – who I believe are in the field right now, and, I mean, I don't, I don't I just don't see them getting in. I don't.
1: No. I mean, the two teams in front of them are Indiana. Indiana's barely in. They're an 11 seed in a uh, playing game, and then, uh, you, you know, but the weird thing about it is they beat Michigan and Ohio State at home that are both going to be one-seeds. So I mean I understand that okay a home win's not as important even though it's a quadrant one win, but you you beat two teams at your stadium that are going to be two of the one seeds in the tournament. That's a I mean that's that's what Minnesota has to stake their their claim on. I don't,
0: you know, it's... I don't know, bro. But you don't play home games in March, especially this March of all Marches. Yeah.
2: First year back in Big East, UConn Huskies currently find themselves as the first team out of the dance. They played Creighton tough twice, but they have a big game against Villanova today. That would bolster their resume big time. So, UConn in or out?
0: Yeah, the game between UConn and Villanova is set to tip off in a matter of minutes in. No, I think it' possible that UConn gets in, but this is a down year for the Big East. I mean, it really is. I mean, I think the only locks to get in right now are Villanova and Creighton. So, this in mind, take a look at who UConn has beaten this year. They gave they gave Creighton a heck of a run for their money. They were ranked for a while. They beat DePaul while they were ranked, but then they got then they lost to St. John's, who's another bubble team. They haven't been able to beat Creighton this year. That's why today's game is huge beyond huge for UConn's tournament hopes. And we have seen them in the past do well in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I I saw one of their championship wins ten years ago in 2011. So if they get in, I think they have a chance. But unless they beat Villanova today, which is their last scheduled ranked game, I don't see that happening.
1: I mean, yeah, when you're in and you're fine, I think they I think they can still lose to Villanova today and be be fine. I think even even with a couple of losses, you can slot them in as an eleven or twelve seed in a play in game potentially. Um, Yeah, I mean, you're right. Big East is downs, which is really unfortunate uh, because uh, UConn's UConn's fun to watch. Creighton's fun
2: to watch. Nova's an automatic lock, uh, as always. So I have them slot them in. I'm the same thing. When you're in, they have a quad one win against USC earlier in December. Uh, They win, they're in. I think if they lose, they really got to make a case themselves. They got to win out and go deep in the biggest tournament. But this game will determine if they can make it in.
0: I know we're hoping that UConn loses tonight because it will help our team, who we are talking about last. Who else but the Syracuse Orange? Victims of two extended pauses due to COVID-19, the Orange have still hung tough and find themselves in the next four out. Fellas, in a down year for the ACC, consistency has been key. Can our boys find it and get themselves in?
1: No. (laughs) No shot. No shot in heck. There's no way they're going to lose. They, they are most definitely going to lose a game in these next couple of, of very, you know, in the, before the regular season ends. They don't have a big man. They can't. Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim are so wildly inconsistent. They're not getting
2: it. You know, so for the last six years, you guys have been uh, in Cleveland with Ohio State and Houston doing Whatever team you are down there. Not. I don't root for
0: any team in Texas, buddy.
2: It's with the Syracuse Orange. I'm an NBA team. Syracuse is my team. And since 2014, when Tyler Ennis took the team in an undefeated season, I remember watching them, unfortunately, lose to, I believe it was B.C. at the time. Since then, it's been each year we are in March, saying goodbye to TV on a Sunday night, fingers crossed, hoping we make it in. Because for some reason, Bayheim has not had his team's a strong enough resume. They always have a bad loss. They always something happens. This year, we we beat Buffalo. Great win. Should have should not have been that close. Should have got overtime. They start gaining momentum. Then COVID pause. And then they come back. Slowly gain momentum. COVID pause. They even a victim to make COVID pauses, which hurts them. They have just some awful losses. But the other problem is, I hate to say, it, Jim Behind needs to stop playing a two three zone. It's just it, it it's the writing on the wall. Everyone can see it. I think our team it just. Moving forward, Syracuse needs to make some changes between Joe Girardi and Buddy Beheim in the front and the backcourt. I don't know what's going on. So very Kadari rich. Richmond. Again, Qadari,
0: Richmond needs to be starting.
2: Kadari Richmond, yeah. I mean, that's what his team. Beheim likes the, is a defensive mind team that makes plays. He's turned his team into a team that shoots threes and just throws up bricks. It's rough. It's been very tough to watch. But once again, I think on Sunday night, I'll be disappointed. My boys will be going to the NIT. I
0: hate to say it. I, yeah, right after we finish recording this, I'm going to be getting ready to watch that game against Notre Dame. Because take a look at who they've got left. They've got Notre Dame at Duke, home against Georgia Tech, home against UNC. They have to go for now Because I feel like if we had been able to beat Louisville the other night, that would have been the signature win of the year because it's on the road. Right now it's a home win against Virginia Tech being Louisville in the KFC Yum Center would have been huge. It would have been huge. Fortunately, that got called off. And our last scheduled game is March 1st. There's, there's an open period in between, in between the end of the regular season and when the ACC tournament is set to be played. Hopefully, we can make up a Louisville game then or maybe play against Wake Forest or Florida State. I don't know. But they've got to w- They've got to pick it up, and they've got to pick it up now if they're going to get in. Right now, it's I not agree. going to happen.
2: Yeah, I agree Liam. I think they have to 4 out, but also, I don't think it's enough. they got, they got to go deep in the tournament. The tournament will get them in. I think, like last year, they went deep in the tournament. They had a chance to make it. Obviously, COVID happened, so it didn't work. But the tournament seems a way where they can strengthen their resume. Absolutely. I think they have to go 4-0, have to go deep in the tournament to have a chance. Can't shoot threes consistently.
1: Barama Sidibe is not back. No, you're out.
0: We'll see you in the NIT. Cash and peace, man. Okay, time for the yeah, history lesson, <laughs> <laughs> and boys and girls. We honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. 35 years ago today, February 20th, Dodgers starting pitcher Oral Hirschheiser became the first player in MLB history to win a $1 million salary by arbitration. Let's make something clear. If Hirschheiser put up the numbers he put up in today's game, he'd be making a lot more than $1 mil. Hershiser compiled a career three point four eight ADRA, over two thousand strikeouts, and helped the Dodgers win the eighty eight World Series.
1: Yeah, arbitration is kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> Just the forty one years ago today, on Monday, February twenty second, arguably the greatest moment in American sports history took place: the Miracle on Ice. I am going to botch this last name, but Mike Ruzioni. Ruzioni scored the winning goal with 10 minutes left in the third period to give the U.S. men's, soccer, men's hockey a massive upset over the Soviet Union in the 1980 Winter Olympic semi finals. And Al Michaels gave us the famous, do you believe in miracles call as the clock hit zeros. Hey, Riley,
0: giving it, give a lesson to your boy on how to make good calls. I'm not going to say who <sighs> your boy is for the sake of anonymity. <laughs> uh, well, next up, February 23rd, no sports, but... Happy birthday, Mom. Hope you're doing well back home. Love and miss you.
2: Hey. Happy birthday, Liam's mom. Birthday, Liam's mom. Woo! Yeah. I all Chill every time you leave in miracles. But two days after that, February twenty fourth, they finished a job as a US men's hockey team, defeated Finland, four two in the gold medal game. If you want to learn more about the Miracle on Ice and have a Disney Plus account, watch Miracle with Kurt Russell. It's a very good movie.
0: I uh, yeah, this I've been I watched Guardians of the Galaxy on my Disney Plus account last night and Expect to use it a few more times over these last few days here in quarantine. Well, 86 years ago, Friday, February 26th, the New York Yankees released the Great Babe Ruth. Then he returned to play in Boston. However, it wasn't with the team you would expect. Back then, the Braves were in Boston and remained there until 1952. They then played in Milwaukee for a while, and then they moved to Atlanta, and of course they remained there today. And guys, my grandfather who lives in Cape Cod now, straight off the Bourne Bridge, when he was a kid growing up in Boston, he went to Braves games... And still a brave fan today. And with that, the show's almost over, so it's time for Who you Got. Big weekend for college basketball. We begin in Lawrence, 15th ranked Texas Tech, visits 23rd ranked Kansas, 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, not long after we finish recording. Guys, who you got?
1: Tech continues their run on the road. Go, Rough Riders.
0: It's Red Raiders.
2: Red Raiders. (laughs) Wow, that's a bad look. (laughs) Mac McClung. I just tech. Unfortunately, last time I was here with Liam, all my predictions were
0: wrong. So sorry, any Tech fans out there. But Mac McClung, they'll take it here. Give me Kansas. Give me Kansas. They are—they've been picking it up lately after their horrid slide. Now one of the Blue Bloods is back ranked again for the I, for the first time since 1961. Duke, UNC, Kansas, Kentucky, UCLA—all on right Kansas is back in the mix. They continue to stay in the mix when they get a win today.
1: I'm so sorry I called them the Rough Riders. That's so bad. Um, next up, the 13th ranked West Virginia continues their oh-so-tough road schedule or their also so tough schedule as they go down to Austin to play the number 12 ranked Texas Longhorns. Game tips off at three on A, B, C. Liam, I know you have a lot of friends down there. Will they be
2: happy? Horns up. UT takes it.
0: I've got UT as well. I mean, I think Greg Brown is going to have a massive game. I mean, UT's playing for something bigger today with, unfortunately, what's been going on in Texas right now. I know I a, I, my parents lost power this week. I have a lot of – yeah, my a lot of my buddies lost power in their college dorm. So uh, I got UT. I think yeah. Greg Brown is going to go for 25.
1: Horns, up. WVU running out of steam right now. They're playing some close games down the stretch. Bobby Huggins going to go back to the Mountaineer State with a loss. To see it,
2: and our last game, one of the games of the year. Dear Anthony here, so he's watching a little nervous, nervous, but he's getting really excited. So, number three ranked Michigan Wolverines head to Columbus, Ohio to play. Number four ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Game tips off at 1 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow on CBS. Anthony, try to be too biased, but who you got? I'll go first you, on oh, this one. I'll go first
0: on this one. Give me Ohio State. When you have <laughs> <laughs> when you have such a close matchup as this, three versus four, it's they're winning because the game is in Columbus. If the game was in Ann Arbor, you guys would have no chance, but it's in Columbus. Therefore, you guys wow. are winning.
1: Oh, HI. Oh, Go Bucks! Projected by the Columbus Dispatch to at the beginning of the year to finish seventh. In the Big Ten, they're they're a number one seed for the first time since like Aaron Kraft led the team, and Aaron Kraft is still playing somewhere in in Europe. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to the dance as a number one seed, and we're beating that team up north.
2: I'm sure there's no bias there at all. That is a very unbiased. Absolutely none. Cult, yeah, no this, way. This, this,
0: this is the man who predicted. This is the man who said Ohio State had a chance against
1: Bama. Oh, my God. I forgot that's the last time I was on here.
2: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got to roll with Ohio State, too. They'll take it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it is for sympathy, since Cleveland's been through a lot in sports, but uh, Ohio State gets it. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> you, well, you heard it here on Full Court Press. On that
1: incredible end, I'm sure they're, they're going to go lose by 15 after we all predicted them to win. <laughs> after that incredible end to the show, that's all for us, folks. My name is Anthony
2: Lance. I'm Riley Wall. Once again, Leah, thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. Great I'd
0: like to thank our I'm here <laughs> I'd like to thank Anthony and Riley for being my guest today. And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast follow on Instagram at Full Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full C P podcast. That's F U L L C P podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. As always, please, please, please stay healthy, wash your hands, be safe, and be positive. Something the three of us have been taking to heart lately. Next week, we'll recap the aforementioned games, offer takeaways from the first two days of MLB spring training, monitor the NFL offseason, and more. We'll see you then.